1: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Tanny
0: Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Wall That is Lawrence spelled backwards. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and the show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go and subscribe. 312 566 8727 is the way you can leave us a voice message. 312 566 8727 or locked on socks at gmail for the email. It is Chris Tannehill. It's an off night. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing good. It means I'm going to be in bed by 10 o'clock. I hope to get out early and exercise in the morning. So that's pretty good. I'll, I'll take it. I mean, we have plenty. Uh, of items for the mailbag, and I have some things I want to bounce off you before we open up the aforementioned bag, but we are brought to you today and that you're not an aforementioned bag. uh, Well, sometimes you are, as am I. Uh, We are brought to you today by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. All right, so the socks are off as we're recording this, and they begin a set with the Royals coming up this week, and we'll talk about that series uh, in a little bit here. Um, but we've got some roster decisions that are coming down the pike here for the White Sox and, and Rick Hahn, and I wanted to bounce a couple things off you here. We know that Luis Robert is coming back sooner than later, provided mm-hmm. uh, no, no setbacks or anything like that, but we can well, let's work under the assumption here that R- Luis Robert's going to return, let's say, by Friday. Okay, okay, so that would make a decision looming in terms of what's going to happen, what's going to be the corresponding roster move that Rick Hahn will make uh, to coincide with that move of bringing Luis Robert back up from Charlotte. So I'm going to ask Herb to put on his general manager pants on for, uh, mm-hmm. for a segment here, and we're going we're gonna to talk this through here, okay? So I think this is the more pressing. We've got two roster issues, and we'll get to the catching issue in just a bit here, but uh, Rick hahn has got a decision to make here, and Coach Tony's going to have some input here as well. And this is not going to be an easy one. It may not matter that much because, you know, uh, when you when you get a guy like Luis Robert back and he's patrolling center field, everything improves uh, after that. So the left field play is going to improve as is right field play. And then you would think Adam Engel is going to get a lot more time out there in right. But you're looking at a situation here where Jake Lamb has been rehabbing. His injury as well, and uh, we haven't heard from Jake. It's it's really good to see that Jake has been just focusing on the rehab and is at Batstone in Charlotte, and he hasn't been calling our voicemail recently. So that's good. So we know he's focused and he's in the right mindset, and he's going to come back ready to go. But you would think Jake Lamb, um, you know, has the potential maybe to to see some time back again. But uh, Brian Goodwin is is a guy here who's right on the cusp. Uh, of being one of the guys that could be sent down uh, to correspond with Luis Robert. And you're also looking at um, Gavin Sheets, possibly a guy that, that could be sent down here. Now, there's there's a lot of ways to play this. I'm, I'm not going to work under the assumption right now that Jake Lamb has to come back up as well just because he, he is rehabbed and, and just about done. But let's just say, are, are we going to work under the assumption that when Luis Robert comes up, who do you think is going to be the one to go down? Is do you think it's gonna be uh Brian Goodwin or is it going to be Gavin Sheets? How do you think the Sox are gonna play this year? It's a hundred percent gonna be Gavin Sheets.
0: You cannot uh Brian Goodwin has no options left. And I think Gavin Sheets has all of his three left yep. to be sent back down to the minors. And while he's performed well in the spots have been asked, you can't lose Brian Goodwin, uh, especially to be in dfa I'm sure a team that is contending right now sees what he's doing with the White Sox will pick up him in a second. So while I think eventually he won't be on this team, the White Sox, I think it won't happen. In t- I mean, he won't be on this team because we're going to have all these people coming back and yeah. the person out of that uh, mix in the outfield that will have to be suffer- or, uh Uh, sacrifice will be Brian Goodwin at that time if it's between him and Billy Hamilton because Billy Hamilton has that speed but for now I think Brian Goodwin is uh, good to go for the White Sox I
1: would agree you know I do think there is some intriguing possibilities by having a guy with a little bit more pop in Gavin Sheets coming off the bench but ultimately you're looking for guys who can do more things for you and they already have the glut of, of, of DHs and first basemen. So, I, you know, this this kid, we've got to keep in mind his development in the big picture here. And he's going to get considerably less at-bats once Luis Robert is here because I want to see Adam Engel out there every day and Eloy will get better and you want to see him get at-bats every day, whether it's going to be in left field or at DH. And, of course, Andrew Vaughn has not earned any demotion in playing time. So I think he's the odd man out in this scenario. So I think Brian Goodwin is safe for now. Um, then the interesting thing comes when you look down the road here and let's say, because I agree with you, Billy Hamilton has a place on this roster regardless. He's going to be here uh, most likely on the postseason roster as well because of the speed that, that he brings and I think if you talk about a late inning defensive replacement, you, you'd you be hard pressed to find a better outfield than Hamilton, Robert, and Engel out there to to close down a ball game. So, But let's just say Rick has got to make this decision later on where he's looking at uh, Jake Lamb versus Brian Goodwin. Now, I don't know if this is a decision they're ultimately going to have to make, but you, these guys could not be more identical, both left-handed, both 30 years old. Uh, I could tell you Jake Lamb in his limited playing time is 85 at bats so far in 2021, he's uh, accumulated a 0.2 B war uh, with an OBP of 333 Meanwhile, Brian Goodwin uh, is already at a .3 uh, war uh, He's got more at bats with 137, with an OBP of .335. Um, the slugging is marginally different. Goodwin slugging at .453, with Lamb at a .424, and all the other numbers are pretty much uh, identical. You, you look at uh, OPS plus. Goodwin at 117, and Lamb at 109. Now this could be a move that it, maybe doesn't matter, um, but Jake Lamb did start. Uh, the season on this team and Tony seemed to have liked him a a lot early on and you know, Brian Goodwin has provided some pop. He's got six home runs uh, but Jake Lamb did have five in his limited ABs early in the season so I don't know if this is going to be something that matters but you keep hearing about Jake Lamb and his progress here so I think what do you think is going to happen here between those two guys uh, if that decision has to be made at some point? Jake Lamb versus Brian Goodwin. Who do you think gets to stay
0: Multiple reasons I think it's going to be Jake Lamb. Jake, firstly, plays multiple positions. He plays in the infield and in the outfield. He has this year for the White Sox. And secondly, Tony likes Jake Lamb. He saw him in Arizona. That's, I think, one of the main reasons why Jake Lamb was on the opening day roster because Tony wanted him on this team. And I think that they would think that there is really no actual reason for brian goodwin to be in the game if we have luis vaughn and Aloy, and then of course engel or whoever we have in the outfield and then billy hamilton so five outfielders for three spots there's no reason to have a sixth outfielder but with jake lamb you have an infielder outfielder just like Lori garcia is but he comes from the left hand side with a little bit more pop than Lori has and the familiarity with Tony is always a good thing for him. So I think in that roster crunch, and I think I said before, two black outfielders is going to be a tough, <laughs> tough go right there. Actually, it's four <laughs> black outfielders,
1: but two African-Americans out there is like, mm. You gotta go, because <laughs> Billy's got his his own thing. Yeah, and uh, we we're still uh, thinking about Billy Hamilton every day here with his oblique injury. Uh, but yeah, I think you got some good points there. I think there's too many outfielders, and when you get an all-world guy like Luis Robert coming back, it's it's even tougher to justify. The, the problem is, you know, Jake Lamb. I mean, I don't know exactly what he provides versatility-wise that that Brian Goodwin does, and I, I, he plays. Not quite as good as outfield as Brian Goodwin, and Brian Goodwin does not play a great outfield, at least not in center field. Maybe he's a little bit better in the corners, but yeah, the, the, the Jake Lamb thing, I don't know ultimately... Uh, what he would what he does for you as far as versatility goes other than just being a uh, you know both of these guys I think they provide the same thing offensively so if you're talking about just a left-handed pinch hitting opportunity late in the ball game you know that this this is basically going to be a coin flip here but my gut says they they go with the guy that they started uh, the season with and that is uh, Jake Lamb so I think you're dead on about that and also Uh, Brian Goodwin I think he's I've said it before I think he's proved maybe that he can latch on with someone else Uh, so I think you know he would look at this season as a a net positive in that regard even Mm -hmm. I'm not a prisoner of the moment here even with the walk off home run on Sunday so I I think that's the decision uh, that will be made there so coming up after a quick timeout the White Sox could be looking at a tough decision once Yasmani Grandal comes back. Who gets to stay? Who gets to go between Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala? We'll talk about that next here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by a new friend. It's our friends at Wild Alaskan. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and protein, but the seafood counter can be intimidating at times. Which fish tastes the best? What type of cut? Can you really be sure about the quality? Well, Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced wild-caught seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination, and every month there are different specials to explore. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook that really sounds delicious especially this summer throw some salmon on the grill Folks, there's nothing better, I'm telling you. Wild Alaskan Company Seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership at any time, and they offer 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Get your nutrition from nature with Wild Alaskan Company. And right now, for our Lockdown White Sox listeners, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit Wild Alaskan Company mlb That's WildAlaskanCompany.com/mlb for fifteen dollars off of your first box. There is another roster decision that's forthcoming, and this one is a little bit tougher, and this one is going to be a lot more polarizing when, when people talk about it. I don't know when Yasmani Grandal is going to return. Um, I, if I said it before, I would be I would err on the side of just letting him sit out for as long as you need because this division is you know it's basically sewn up. You've got a nice comfortable lead here. You don't need to rush him back. Um, so I would be inclined to just have him sit out. Uh, you, And not resume any baseball activity other than just making sure that the the cardio is right and make sure that, you know, he's getting his work in. I'd let him do that the entire month of August and then bring him back in September. And I'd be fine with that because then you would get a definitive answer on who is better, Zach Collins or Sebi Zavala. One of those guys, and, you know, this is like, you know, which arm would you rather lose? Um, You know, (laughs) but neither of these guys are, are particularly good, but I think one of these two guys has a more defined attribute or skill set or something that can help the ball club and and no I'm not talking about the the left-handed pop quote unquote of, of Zach Collins I'm talking about the pitch framing defensive abilities and handling the pitching staff that Sebi Zavala has before we get into the some of the numbers here real quick when Yasmani Grandal does return, who do you think is going to be sent down back to Charlotte? So is it going to be Zach Collins or Sebby Zavala? Keep those baseball pants on and Let me know what you think.
0: Now I'm answering for me who I would send down. or am I sending or am I answering
1: for the White Sox? Well, as so I say, you put on the GM baseball pants and, okay. you're, and you're making a decision on behalf of what's best for the 2021 Chicago White Sox? I'm sending Zach Collins
0: down immediately because, like you said, He does nothing like spectacular or even good. Like he walks a little bit, but not well enough where what he does as a receiver of the ball can be just washed away. I don't know like what they're doing down there with him. Like, was he this bad as a catcher (laughs) when he started? I'm looking at the top 30 White Sox in F war. I can't find him. He's not on the top <laughs> page. He's the last player. He's forty-fifth at a negative point four. Like, I don't know what he does well. He's batted, let's see, played appearances one hundred and seventy seven times, and he's hitting two oh eight with a three thirty on base, which that's good. That's a skill. And a slugging of three fifty six. That is garbage with a <laughs> way it runs created of ninety five. Like his he doesn't play defense particularly well. He doesn't play offense particularly well. He's a good guy, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but but like I don't like I don't know what the the difference is. Like I'm looking at Sebby's numbers: two thirty-five, three 559.
1: Go ahead, look at that. Look at that. I don't know. I'm looking at B War, but what does that F four say for Sebby already compared to Point four? Yes, exactly. He's already accumulated. More uh wins above replacement than Zach Collins has the and entire much less season. Games. Exactly. He's only thirty four at bats for Sebi. Meanwhile, um, you know, the OBP is not much different. Sebi's OBP is at 316 here. And of course, this is padded a little bit by his magical evening. He's got the three home runs. But Zach Collins, has been here all year, He's only got the four. But, you know, think about
0: it. I, even though Sebi didn't hit those three home did have that three home run game, I still would choose him because his yeah. skill as a backup catcher, which I want the catcher to actually be able to catch, is a plus skill. Zach Collins, I don't know, like, there's a ball that was a strike. He missed it. He had called the pitch. He wasn't crossed up. He called the pitch. I think it was just a fastball in the outside corner. He missed it inside the strike zone, and the ump called it a ball because you missed the pitch. Like Those things are happening a lot, and sometimes I think we talked about it. It set the tone for his whole game where he didn't block a ball correctly, a pitch that he called, and yes, it went down as a wild pitch eventually, but You called it when we're looking at Sebby Savala. I'm not looking at a guy that I'm as a pitcher saying, man, I can't throw my spike curveball, especially with that knuckle curveball that uh, Craig Kimbrell throws. You need a guy that's going to block that. Sometimes Yasmani gets a little lazy on that. And if Sebby comes in in the ninth inning, baby, let's do it. I can trust this guy to catch the ball. And, you know, if we could show any type of pop like he does like there the other day, I know it's not going to be three in a row baby, let's give me Sebby Zavala over Zach Collins every day. Now, if I'm Rick Hahn, I think he drafted this man 10th overall, I believe. He's probably going to keep Zach Collins to have him try to reboot and say, hey, he was part of a championship winning team in the playoffs type of garbage. but. (laughs) We all know that Sebi is the better backup catcher right now.
1: I don't know. It's like, you know, I you know, I don't know if Rick Hahn can take an L there and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to send down our first-round pick. Remember, they just traded away the other Nick Hostetler first-round pick and Nick Madrigal, so Rick Hahn's not going to double down on a bad mistake. He also, you know, had a hand in uh, in bringing Sebi Zavallo aboard. So, you know, these are two guys who we can pick from, and it's not a, a great match here. <laughs> you know, you talk about guys that you can pick from this guy or that guy. Um but yeah, I, I I would err on the side of keeping Sebby around because of what he does defensively. Now, there's not enough data yet on Sebby in terms of pitch framing, right? but i I took a look at Zach Collins um, and it's not good. The data is there to 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 back it up. This is still quite honestly an area that I'm still trying to educate myself a little bit more on in terms of what makes an elite pitch framer versus what make, makes league, league average and what's something that will kill you if he's behind the plate. And right now it, it appears that Zach Collins is we, we we said it a few shows ago that he's in terms of the percentile rankings of, of pitch framing in baseball he's at a zero. He is at the very very bottom uh, of the pack he's 55th ranked in all of baseball uh, of catchers this year in pitch framing abilities. And if you look at the one big thing that they look at Um, you know, let's just compare him to Yasmany Grandal. We don't have Sebi to to compare him to yet, but I just think anecdotally, if you watch Sebi, you know, it's a, it's a lot closer to what the elite catchers are doing in terms of pitches that he's able to grab, let alone the pitches that he doesn't allow to get past him, which is a huge part of this. When you talk about not only Craig Kimbrell, but Liam Hendricks and his wicked breaking stuff, like you, you, having the, the faith to, to call those pitches and the conviction to have to be able to throw those pitches when those catchers are back there. And I don't think it's quite there with Zach Collins. Like the, the big metric they look at for pitch framing is uh, runs, extra strikes. And what that does is it converts strikes into runs saved. Okay. So Yasmani was working at zero, which is, you know, n- not necessarily, it was around league average, bordering towards good. Okay. Zach Collins, however, is at a negative seven. So negative seven runs uh, from from strikes saved. Okay, so he wasn't particularly saving any strikes really. And you talk about a strike rate. These guys are both thrown to the same uh, catching the same pitchers. Yasmani has a forty-eight point three strike rate versus Zach Collins of a forty-one point two strike rate. So Zach Collins just gets fewer strikes when when he's behind the plate. That's just facts. That's you 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 know that's you can't dispute that. And you it's what your eyes are already telling you. Um, you know, and this is with all the resources dumped in to putting Jerry Naren back there to help them. And this is even with Zach Collins has the the luxury of being able to work with Grandal. And, and who knows? Like maybe Osmani Grandal has no time for that. Uh, you've heard he's kind of an eccentric guy, you know. Yep. So maybe he's not the type to take a man under his wing. Uh, but you know, you have to figure Zach Collins probably idolizes this man as they both went uh, to to the U. So you know this is just a situation here where I'm going with defense every time. And I want to make sure, you know, uh, it's funny because we mentioned, uh, Jonathan Lucroy a few times over, over the past year, since he's been gone and you hear the Dodgers are interested in him. I, I'm not even going to, I'll explore that bringing in Jonathan Lucroy in here, a competent veteran to handle this staff as opposed to, you know, choosing between Sebi and Zach. I think, you know, but I don't know if they're going to exercise that. You kind of want to go with guys that you know the guys are comfortable with, and you know you look at Zach versus Sebi, and, and Jonathan Lucroy mentioned the the Lamborghini staff at the, at the beginning of spring training, and now you have mm. a souped up Lamborghini when you with uh, Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks at the back end of the bullpen, so you want to make sure. That they're they're you're getting every strike that they're they're blocking everything that's in front of them and so far Sebby has passed that test. He's been inserted into a, a playoff race here, and I think he's done a really nice job uh, in terms of of all of that handling the staff. You know, you, I forgot who it was that was raving about him immediately. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn was the first one to give Sebby the cosign. sign It was it was after that start in Minnesota um, where, where where Lance Lynn came out and went out of his way to praise Sebby when we didn't quite know. Uh, what Sebi was just yet and if pitchers like throwing to him at this level and and Lance Lynn gave him the co-sign and you know you hear anecdotal stuff and Zach Collins happened to catch uh, Carlos Rodon's no hitter you know but uh, I think that stuff is just I think anyone could have caught (laughs) that no hitter that night with with what Rodon was working with so yeah man I I would agree this is one of the hard decisions that Rickon's going to have to make I think where he he may have to look for for outside help bringing in Luke Roy or just you know say you know what Sebby you're my guy Zach we've got some things you we'd like you to work on go find that power stroke man like i, I don't know if it's ever going to come um, cuz he's only helpful to you from the left side if he can if he can hit the ball hard and get on base and he does get on base but uh, that that's about it and that's his real only tool and it's not even like overwhelmingly Good, where where you can justify keeping him around without any question. So this will be an interesting decision, and I i would say I, I hope Rickon doesn't do this. But I would say he's probably going to give the nod to to Zach Collins, like you were saying. You know, as as I talk myself out of the what, what my gut says that they should do, I just feel like since Zach Collins has been around longer, he will get the benefit of the doubt. But that worries me because now you're looking at Grandal and Zach Collins in the postseason. Um, and people can can shit on Grandal all they like, you know. They you know people think he's lazy back there, and he dogs it. And I know sometimes that is true, but he does help his pitching staff out by by the elite pitch framing abilities. So keep that in mind too next time, and, and when you, and especially when you when you compare these two, Zach Collins and Yasmani Grandal, think about those metrics that I laid out a few minutes ago about the the difference that that they make for their pitching staff and what truly matters in a postseason run. So
0: and Tanny, I want to point out like. We've been seeing lately the White Sox with struggling times to get hits and also produce runs. The playoffs are going to be about that. They're going to be about reducing runs and just scratching across a couple runs for yourself. So the way we get outs is by having pitch framers doing the job right. And we can't have that. We can't be losing by the margins. We can't be losing because we have errors in the field. Can't be losing because we didn't advance a runner with less than two outs. And we definitely can't be losing because we're having balls getting past us or not pitch framing correctly. So I hope Rick is thinking about that. It's like, okay, we're at a luxury with Grandal, who's a plus catcher. What we need is another plus catcher behind him, just in case we want to DH him one day or get him off his knees because he's coming back from a knee injury. So we want his batting lineup, but need somebody solid back there who can catch our pitchers and maximize their performance. And I think Sammy's the Wild is the guy to do that.
1: Yeah, and also... Sebi can get better, you know, like that's another thing. He's already good, so you already have something to work with there. And the the idea is just he's a young guy, so he can still improve in that area and he can still develop more of a bond with his pitching staff. And it's already good, uh, as you mentioned, so it can only improve. But the the Zach Collins thing has not really improved. And that's the most frustrating part about Zach Collins' game is, like, you've never really seen many moments from him, Uh, you know. I think – you know, they didn't really talk about his his catching ability as being this bad when he, when he was coming up through the system. They, they, they talked about how he was, you know, on base God, and, you know, they were waiting for the power stroke to come, but they never really... Talked about the 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 pitch framing and and you know improvement behind the plate. Although they they did go at great lengths to talk about how he's working on it a lot, which is never a good thing when when they don't say one way or another. They say, "Oh, he's been working really hard at it." Okay, well, where are the results? So that's been the frustrating thing. Uh, but here we are. You know, you you hear a lot about. The Sox are getting contributors. They're getting contributions from their first-round picks and you know their their farm system guys. You know, but <laughs> not all these things are equal here. They just because they happen to be on the roster and they're on a winning team doesn't necessarily mean that they're making meaningful contributions here. So so keep that in mind. But there's certainly a lot of interesting roster decisions uh, coming up. We'll uh, take a quick time out here and we will preview the Royal series next here on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Money lines every night, over unders. It's all there for you if you enjoy betting on baseball at Bet Online. They've got all the other sports too NBA Finals coming to a close, Football Futures, Golf. I've talked to you about some of the crazy fun prop bets they have going on at Bet Online. Got some new ones here just added. Aside from the alien abduction props, which I always enjoy it. They have who will Bill Gates date next? What about Jeff Bezos? Who will marry first, Bezos or Gates? You can place a bet on that. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website and use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com you know with all the ever increasing makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car is ever going to need so why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your car an LX or an EX well I don't know let me go out and look and why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket look the reality is when you go to rockauto.com and find your auto parts there, you're going to save time and money when you use our friends at Rock Auto. So why choose to pay 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or, God forbid, your dealership? For example, the Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 at a chain store, but only $216 at rockauto.com. See what I'm talking about? And they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers like you and I for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are always going to be reliably low for every single customer. And they've got everything too. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet i know i'm hitting the road soon going up north i'm going to check and make sure my car has everything it needs and i'm going to do that by going to rockauto.com check them out won't you explore their easy to use website and find the solution for your auto part needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com Betting on baseball does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Wow, that episode really just flew by and all of a sudden here we are. We had planned to do a mailbag, which we still will do tomorrow. We have a lot of great questions lined up, a lot of great voicemails, and uh, I don't want to let those go to waste here. So we will not be doing a recap tonight of the Royals game. Instead, tomorrow uh, you will get a, a mailbag episode as the Kansas City series provides us a, a a little breather here. You know, it's you know, although they are frustrating, they're certainly not Cleveland. And you look ahead to the Cubs series too this weekend. So it's a good time to to to, to pause and not dwell on the uh micro so much because that's what we do when we evaluate games day in and day out we we focus on things that happen that night but the mailbag allows us a chance to zoom out a bit and look at the big picture as the Sox sitting here today with a nine game lead so I think it's a good opportunity to do that so there's a lot of pressing questions that we're going to get to but real quick here we'll, we'll talk about the pitching matchups for the Kansas City series uh, tonight Going for the Royals is Chris Bubich. He's three and four with a four five eight against Dylan Cease, who is seven and six with a four one four. And then coming up Wednesday, Carlos Hernandez two and one with a four nine eight versus Lucas Giolito eight and seven with a three six seven. And then Thursday, Daniel Lynch, a lefty, one and three with a six nine five versus Dallas Keuchel. A seven and four with a four five one. Are these the exact same pitching matchups as last week? I'm trying to remember. Everything's a blur. I'm trying to remember if these are the same guys that faced off each other last week in Kansas City. I they think so. Exactly, yeah. Well, did Mike Miner? Mike Miner went last week though, didn't he? So that kind of throws he, he it did off a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did the first game. yes. Yeah, so it's all it's all off. So we did see Bubich, and I think we saw Hernandez in the in the finale. So we have not seen garbage Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> but everything was garbage about that game. So. Uh, we, we'll we we'll, we'll regroup after we do the mailbag episode and, and talk about that Kansas City series here. But uh, other than that, uh, if you want to get in uh, on the, the voicemails, tell the folks how they can do that and the email, too, if they want to get in on the next mailbag episode, which could be at any point, anytime there's a lull in the schedule.
0: Call it 312-566-8727. Email it lockedonsocks at gmail.com.
1: Absolutely. That's all I got, Herb. Uh, we will enjoy this Royal Series, and I'm uh, looking forward to answering your questions tomorrow in the mailbag. Well, that's all I got tonight on this off night, this sleepy off night.
0: That is Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall, 23 Thank you for joining us on Locked on Sox.